Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Merry Christmas, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here and welcome to episode 171 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here as always to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to go on the trails, keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks for being with us over the Christmas holidays and thanks for tuning in to the podcast. Now I've decided to take a couple of weeks off recording over the Christmas and New Year holidays. So I wanted to just revisit a couple of episodes that I really enjoyed. Now this episode 115 first aired on the 28th of the 11th 2019 where we chat with the founders and owners of Dirtley aka the Dirt Suit about playing in the dirt and staying warm and dry in your winter conditions. Now I wanted to just rerun this episode because since then I've got a dirt suit, I've tried it, I've tried their shorts, I've tried their Mountie tee, the stuff's really good, I really enjoy their gear, it lets me go out in conditions I would think twice about going out in otherwise and it keeps you dry, keeps you warm and there's plenty of vents on the dirt suit so you never get too warm, you can always ventilate yourself it's a really, really good product. So I thought I would just share it with you guys. I would rerun it and maybe you can pick yourself up a nice present in the new year. But certainly it has really helped and makes me enjoy my riding more over these winter conditions. And um, I would definitely advise that you go have a look at one, check one out, try one on, see what you think. Their stuff is really cool. So we chat about the company, we chat about how Dirtly got started, we chat about their products, how they manufacture them, and uh, what they have done to get to this stage and how the product has changed over the years. I really enjoyed chatting with Jan and Lena about their product, and um, they're still a family-owned business, uh, still quite small in the scheme of things but um, the product doesn't seem that way at all so uh, have a listen put your feet up for an hour and maybe this will help you make a decision and help you get out on those old dirty and wet days that we see so much over this time of the year so merry christmas folks enjoy the podcast and let's get dirtly back on the mtb tribe podcast hi jan and lena welcome to the mtb tribe podcast how are you this evening Hi there. We're very good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, pretty good. Thanks. Yeah, no worries. You're more than welcome. And um, you've just been out in the bike. You've been out riding. Tell us a wee bit about your ride because I'm a bit jealous. <laughs> Actually, today it wasn't that big of a deal, but it's always great when you have like a very hard working week and you just, you're just on the bike and in the woods, no people. It's just you and a few friends so it wasn't a huge ride but it was I think awesome for the soul (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you are in Germany there but you were you were riding in Switzerland today is that correct yeah Switzerland is actually Switzerland and France is pretty close and most of the time we go to France actually because they're very open-minded for mountain bikers and it's, it's a good atmosphere and they have nice trails and um, today we went to Switzerland which was actually also like like usual always good to be on the bike <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah no it's always nice and tell me this now were you both wearing dirt suits 
today we actually did, yeah. Not because of the rain, but it was pretty cold today. Yeah. Uh, and um, it was still muddy, but it wasn't really raining. It was just, you know, it was when we left today. It was three degrees uh, Celsius, and it was, it was just tired. Uh, it was just cold, cold. We just, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, it was just we were both tired this morning, and so we just said, okay, we just having an easy day, uh, half day on the bike, and yeah, we had the dirt suits with us. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, and uh, so that's why we're chatting to you today. Yous are yous are the founders and the owners of what we would know as Dirt Suit. Um, how do you pronounce the the actual name of your company? Actually, it's uh, it's pronounced Dirt Lay. So um, when we founded the brand, we were thinking a lot about uh, about like a name that fits us. And of course, dirt is what we all know. And the L-E is my name, it's Lena, and the J is Jan. So it's has also like, yeah, the name's just us. And yeah. Very cool. Very cool. It's a good way of doing it. <laughs> so actually, at the beginning, we had a different name. And then when we just wanted to, how do you say? When to we, register it. Yeah, as a trademark. Now we got a letter from a lawyer and saying, oh, you can't do this. There's a, I don't know, bad company somewhere in Sweden. Mm-hmm. And we said, okay, we're not going to fight for us. So we had two two rough weeks actually trying to find out a new uh, new branding name. And actually this one fits much better than the it's old one. It's much yeah. better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, it's cool. Um, I, I really do like it. And um, so you you produce dirt suits, uh, which is relevant to us in Ireland, um, because we'll need them right now, probably. Um, but you do shorts, you do riding tees, you do bike protection, and you do a thing called maintain it, which I want yeah. to chat to you about a wee bit later as well. Um, but just a wee bit about yours first before we get into your products. Um, and I'm really interested to chat about your product because for us guys in Ireland and the UK and everything, I think it's something that everybody should look at and it's what we really need because I love your slogan, no more excuses. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a major excuse for us is the dirt and the rain. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so tell us a wee bit uh, about where you are based. Sorry again, where we're based? Yeah. Um, actually, we're like pretty close to switzerland and france so it's um, five to ten minutes to each of the countries mm-hmm. so well the office is actually located maybe 200 meters to yeah. both countries <laughs> yeah really wow so the closest city actually is the switzerland the city basel in switzerland and it's a big big advantage sometimes to well to have especially friends so close because just during the summertime or spring we just we spend the whole weekend somewhere in the forest just taking the camper sleeping there and just go biking you know and mm. that's just it's pretty cool it's fun yeah, yeah. sounds lovely uh, what's what's the mountain bike scene like there where you live actually it's it's growing but um, it's a bit of a bummer that we don't have like a fantastic home zone, like in the backyard. We mostly have to take the car, mm-hmm. so around 20 to 40 minutes, and then we have stunning trails. But 
we don't have like awesome stuff right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and do you do you have any ski resorts close to you? It's like maybe one and a half hours. The, oh, the bigger okay. the Alps are like one and a half hours. Yeah. And uh, we both more or less stopped skiing a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, we just said, okay, actually biking, that's something you can do all year long. <clears throat> Especially, you know, snow is getting less and less. And mm-hmm. yeah, the ski resorts, they have... Well, they have machines for doing snow or making snow, but um, it's also pretty crowded. Yeah, it's getting more. It's somehow it's crowded. Yeah, I think the last time we went, actually, they just said, you know, it's annoying. You wake up in the morning early. It's dark. It's cold. You're driving. <laughs> then you have a crowd getting up the hill, and we're just like, oh no, come on, let's go biking. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, skiing is fun, no doubt about it. When you have powder and all that kind of stuff, uh, but. Um, when you just start a company and all that kind of stuff, you somehow need to focus as well on something. Mm-hmm. So we currently we don't go mountain biking, uh, skiing anymore. Yeah, yeah. And does that ski resort open through the summer for for mountain biking or anything? Or uh, like not the German one, but uh, as Jan just said, we have around one and a half hours to the Swiss Alps. Mm-hmm. And Switzerland actually does mm-hmm. um, convert a lot of mountain bike resorts like the Vos or Flims or something to uh, to mountain bike resorts in summer. And they have a really good infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And it's also, um, they have a rule on the trails that it's allowed for bikers and hikers with a like sort of a respect thing, which is mm-hmm. amazing. Because in Germany, you're... You have some issues of biking on trails that are more narrow than two meters, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So this is why we mostly don't go biking in Germany. As mm. you, if you live so close to the border, it's just, yeah. in Switzerland, they just, I would say the politicians have somehow, they know they need to do something about it for the summer. So they really doing something for mountain bikers to for the summer. And we actually, um, early this year, we uh, got in contact with one of the states called Graubünden, and they just asked us if you want to do a comp- running a campaign with them, saying, like, we go biking because it's raining, you know? And they say, like, biking is a dirty sport. Mm-hmm. And um, so we gave them... Uh, a couple of our suits so people can rent them, get them for free actually when they just buy a lift ticket and they can mm-hmm. test them a day long but it must rain obviously mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, yeah. they this is quite interesting because they they do something for mountain bikers really from the um, I would say state level and um we have areas in Germany where you definitely can go biking pretty good. Freiburg, which is like yeah. an hour drive from us, they have good trails, really mountain bike trails. Um, but they, in hiking trails, it's just forbidden. Yeah, just forbidden. And, really? Okay. Yeah. And then Switzerland, at least, they try to educate both sides, mountain bikers and um, okay. hikers, and saying to them, hey, you both can use them, be friendly, and in general, works pretty well. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the weekends, we are living actually close to the Black Forest. Um, 
But the weekend when we go to France, for example, the French hikers, you don't need to educate. They're always friendly. <laughs> so <laughs> we haven't met a, when you go to France, for example, we haven't met one grumpy hiker or yeah. anything. It was just, it's actually, it's quite fun sometimes because they're always making jokes about you when you're <laughs> paddling up the hill and that shit like, oh, wow. <laughs> you didn't have his out e-bike and they're just giving you some, I would say just some funny comments all the time. That's, you know, <laughs> uh, that's why we go whether to Switzerland or to France for biking yeah. season or to Freiburg, but it's just, it's, yeah, it's also an hour drive for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it, it sounds, it sounds really good. And, you know, we would have something similar in Ireland where we'll, you know, share trails with walkers and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then we have specific walk trails and specific mountain bike trails mm-hmm. where either is not allowed on kind of thing, but they're all based within the same area, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's real, it's a real good scene. Um, yeah. So let's get into the dirt suit because I really want to chat about that. Um, was that the first product you started? Um, actually, we first started with the bike protection. Oh, okay, yeah. When, when I met Jan, I was more into horseback riding and not into biking at all. And when he convinced me of trying it out, uh, he put the bikes on a bike rack and they touch each other. And he started wrapping around like t-shirts or plastic foil or something. And I was asking if there's no product where you can like protect the bike, because when you have a horse, you wrap stuff around his legs that they don't hurt uh, themselves. So he said no. And we just went on and like cut and sued and, try to uh, build the stuff by ourselves and this is actually the first product we had mm-hmm. and okay. the was the second one yeah. actually we started planning it when we were on our honeymoon in Chile yeah. <laughs> on the airport <laughs> yeah, yeah it that's was, a relaxing that, honeymoon <laughs> yeah actually there's a bike park close by here well, one and a half hours France Lacplan where we used to go from time to time and um, back in the days they had this white, they look like white homicide suits, you know, this, the police have them on, on homicides. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, dirt is brown and it's white and on your back you have this brown <laughs> line of, it looks like, it looks shitty, okay? Uh-huh. And um, I used to be... Uh, a lot of the kitesurfing and then this just I love these wetsuits having short legs and long arms and um, then we just started doing our first dirt suit having short legs and long sleeves actually mm-hmm. yeah that was and to be honest we had no idea if, it, if nobody wants to have it or yeah. what's what's yeah. going to happen okay because we just didn't know if it's not on the market because nobody had invented it yet or because nobody wanted one. It was just the first try. Yeah. And yeah, it was very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the first went, went. was way too small. <laughs> uh, it was really because we both are pretty small and we had no other models than us. Okay. So it was pretty small and 
We got nobody a, fit in there. Most of the people didn't fit in, and we got a b- pretty bad shitstorm about it <laughs> because <laughs> people were just like, "Oh, it's too small," and yeah, and, I mean, yeah. But what are you gonna do? You somehow, you know, you have to sell it. <laughs> some people uh-huh. apparently fit in, and from there on, we just kept on going. Okay, so there is yeah. no. Um, there is no, how should I say, big bank or investor in our bag. So if you want to do something, we can just do it as long as we can somehow afford it. Yeah. yeah. So when did you when did you actually start the company then? Uh, we started doing it, um, I think, 2016 or 15 with the, the protectors. Is it bike protection? And then the dirt suit, we started selling 2016. 2016 yeah I that was pretty cool um you know it's such it's one of those products to me that you look at and you think well that is solving a really good problem <laughs> thank you <laughs> and and you know it seems so simple but yet you can't find you know you know you're when you're looking for product and just browsing mountain bike product and stuff, you don't find anything like that. So it's one of those products that just fits and, you know, and helps a problem. And it's it's really cool too, and you just have made it cool, which is nice. Um, had you any kind of experience in the clothing or the fashion industry before starting the company? No, not at all. Not really. Mm-hmm. I mean... I just saw my grandma as a, she made clothes when she was still working. So she taught me a lot about like sewing machines and stuff. So I'm uh, pretty capable of like sewing normal stuff. But Mm. other than that, we were complete newbies. And Mm. believe me, we learned the hard way. And that there's one thing, okay, we don't see ourselves as really a clothing or fashion company, okay? Mm-hmm. Because we don't want to go into whatever, t-shirts and that kind of stuff. And this is, it's a technical product and um, how should I say, we see it as a product, okay? It's not going to be just because there's this end of season or anything there will be no end of season sale or yeah. we normally keep our products running um maybe we change a color from time to time but it's not not that it's happening every half a year or even every year yeah mm-hmm. yeah this is something that we um did from the very beginning we didn't see it as collections it was always a product because why should i put it on sale in September, it's still good in March. So besides September, our season starts. Yeah, our season starts. <laughs> True. Mm-hmm. See, the good thing about our job is at least when it's sunny, we I say we it, we have free. We can go biking, okay? Because nobody needs our product. And when it's raining, <laughs> that's when we're gonna when we make business actually. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's it's very interesting, and you know, it's funny. Like, when did you think or when did the time come when you started to make the bike protection that you, you thought, you know, we can make this into a business. Let's expand this and, and maybe let's make this into a business. Was there, was there a light bulb moment or anything like that? Well, the thing was, Lena at the time was already self-employed. And so actually, I'm a graphic designer yeah. normally. 
and Jan was still in a engineering job. Yeah, I had a well-paid job, but it was, you know, it was pretty boring. <laughs> and uh, we both were open to do something, you know, something just founding some kind of a company. Never really thought about if it would work out for living or not. But um, we just... They just did it in the end. And I think that's one of the things most people, um, we really need also from our employees. Okay, just do it sometimes. Just mm -hmm. do things. And even you don't know if things work out well or not, but if you believe in it and you, you, you think you need it, like we needed the bike protection. We needed the dirt suit. Mm. And we needed the app actually. So we just did it. And that's about, that's yeah. about it. Okay. And, that's how we actually how we started okay. for example i just got a last week we got a call from some young guys they just wanted to build up a new sales platform and that kind of stuff but they had besides a concept they had nothing okay they had no proclamation no website nothing and i just thought well just if you really believe in it do it because most people tell you at the beginning anyway well, you don't need this and it's not worth doing. And uh, personally, sometimes I feel like if you don't get this kind of feedback, then it's, gonna, idea. Then it's not going to work out anyway. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and obviously, we also got a shit sound for the dirt suit and some people, okay, they're just like, why do you need it? And that kind of stuff. But that's just part of it. I think you just need this kind of stuff in order to, to be more or less successful. Yeah. Yeah. So it's cool, you know, that so we you both working full time at that stage. Did you jump in feet first? Did you both leave your job? Is, is this a full time gig for you now? How does it work? So <clears throat> actually it was so we had a fantastic plan. Um, I had like some big uh, graphic uh, uh projects I worked on every year, recurrent ones, recurring ones. And I thought I could make a living for us, like just like so. And Jan could really focus on the brand. And then he quit his job. And like, I think four weeks later, sort <laughs> of, I got a call from my biggest client who said, um, he they love what I do. And they would love to keep working with me, but they want to in um, have me in-house. Or oh. second option, I would not get the project again. So right. I, it was like a, <laughs> yeah, an offer that I had to take because otherwise Jan couldn't have focused on the brand. And in the beginning, it was pretty hard because I love being self-employed. Uh, self um, but actually now uh it's yeah it's very it's really nice so Jan runs the company full-time he has three employees and I'm employed in the industry as a graphic designer but working for Dirtlay in the background so I do all the design and the products and yeah Jan runs the business and uh has like a vision where to go and he's like also the one with mostly all the new ideas so the dirt mm -hmm. suit is out of his mind and 
the maintainer app. So I think he's pretty good in having new ideas, which is sometimes challenging for me. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so does late does does. Does Jan come to you with, I've got this idea, uh, that's what I think, and then you got to go and design it? Is that how it works? <laughs> From time to time, yes. So <laughs> also the app, he like started to do it with PowerPoint and stuff. And it just, he has like, he knows where he wants to go. And, and yes, I try to make it beautiful. See, the problem is I'm not very patient, okay? So I want to have it happen now. And I want to have it now. And that's all this. So I don't know. I'm, probably I'm giving Lena sometimes a hard time because um, it's just, I don't know. I feel like I just want to have it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, uh, and... It's just like, and then I do something that I find so beautiful, and I show it to him, and he's like, "Well, how about have you thought about this?" And I'm like, "Come on, it looks so nice," and he's like, "Yeah, but it doesn't work." So, uh -huh. yeah, but, yeah, but it's fun. Yeah, yeah good. Well, as long as you can keep it fun, that's the main thing. Exactly. Yeah, most of the time, at least. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's cool. So I'm, I'm interested in, you don't have a background in materials or anything really like that. Um, so how did you grow the business and how did you source manufacturers for your material for their, for their dirt suit? Because I'm sure that's a very important, well, obviously it is a very important piece of that product. Like how did you go about sourcing manufacturers? Well, the thing is, um, we actually, first we started uh, for the protection stuff. Um, we found somebody in Germany and we wanted to keep it somewhere local. And then, to be honest, it cost us, I don't know, 10 or 15,000 euros in one year at least. It was it's, a disaster. It was a disaster. It didn't work out. The quality was bad. The communication was bad. Uh, you might think it's closed same language but you know responsive mm -hmm. time is really slow and then we had to say okay whether we're gonna stop the company here or end everything or we just try to look for new manufacturers and I don't know 10 years ago I was uh, a lot in Asia especially in China and China becomes how should I say it is too expensive for the big players they go all to different countries now. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of companies actually, and they were willing to work with small companies like us. Okay. So it's not easy to find somebody who wants to work with you when you're just, I don't know, you can only afford 500 pieces and not 10,000. Yeah. And especially in Germany, nobody wanted to work with us. Yeah. It, was just, it was really interesting. So once I did, I was still an employee, and I remember just, I worked. Wednesday and just after well after I was done with work I took a flight to China visiting some companies and then, then flew back on Sunday went back to work on Monday and from there on it started working okay and um, that's actually how how we do it just to we have one of our employees he's a lot of us a manufacturer actually I would say he knows he knows all the family of the employees <laughs> and he knows mm. he's having dinner at this family uh -huh. one night and well nevertheless um we have somebody who spends 
a lot of time in, in China also and he likes it and that's good. Yeah, yeah and, and that's how you deal with quality control and things yeah. like that, as opposed to having somebody on the ground there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, still a lot of work and um, to be honest, to be fair, it's not always the manufacturing doing mistakes, okay? They, they try to do their best. But yeah. sometimes there's just a misunderstanding in communication and and you learn it step by step. And it, even though it might be old school, but trust is still very important. Okay, it's very important to find a supplier you can somehow trust. Yeah. And um, you talk uh, the same language in the end, okay? And mm-hmm. uh, definitely we learn a lot, but our counterpart let's say in the companies over there they started adopting a little bit and yeah. asking a lot of questions from their side as well which we haven't thought about and so it's back and forth and it's pretty interesting and it's it's a lot faster than yeah. here in germany at the time back in the days so. and you also mm-hmm. have to acknowledge that it's a very um tricky product because when you have like membranes when you for example do a ski overall it's um the wear and tear is not that bad but like having the dirt and the sand and you sit on the saddle and it's rubbing and it really needs to be pretty resistant so Mm. yeah like it's a technical product you know you're going to these manufacturers and it's not like you're producing T-shirts and screen printing T-shirts and stuff. It's a technical yeah. product. So I'm sure yeah. there's issues there with that. Yeah. yeah. The, you always find out. Um, we yeah. learn with every product. Yeah. And you just, mm. when you see the first dirt suit and compare, when, <laughs> compare them with today's dirt suit, there's just definitely, it's a, there's it's a good improvement. Yeah, good improvement. But it's not just with a dirt suit. It's like, like actually with every product and a company starts and brings out a new product, in most cases, um, it's, how should I say, there's a learning curve. And we had, it, we had the same learning curve, like probably more or less every startup at the beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, it's, I'm sure it's scary. Like, w- was that a scary moment when you just, you know, you made the decision to go ahead? Let's produce 500 of these. Was it? Was that and pump a lot of money into that? Was it scary at that time? Well, I remember I was sitting where we're sitting now, actually, and um, the first time I really sent a lot of money over to Asia. I mean, first you have to pay, and then they start producing. So you don't yeah. have anything in your hands. Well, so they the don't send you. They don't we, send you samples. Nothing like that. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's that's what I wanted to say. That you know, we start working with them six months, and yeah. they they did samples and samples, and then it comes to the point where the supplier, and that's where you find out it's a good supplier when they start doing something from their side at the beginning. Mm. But then at a point, you have to bring in. You need to to keep your word, okay? And then you need to say, okay, now we start producing. And then you're gonna send them, have the money you have, <laughs> really, have the money you have. You're sitting here on the computer, typing in, you send it over, half your money you have. <laughs> and you just, I looked over today and said, 
just send them a lot of money. That's actually most of what we really have. <laughs> and then you're just like, yeah, okay. That's how it is. And I remember... Hope for the best. Hope for the best, yeah. But I went out of the... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I went out of the office and it was just like, I forgot about it. I don't know. <laughs> somehow I, I trusted them. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, definitely it was a scary moment, but... Well, sounds exciting. It was exciting, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the first first stuff comes out and just and i remember when we then we were building our own online shop and we like did a lot of pre-promotion for the dirt suit and then at some point we just had to uh, hit the online button and uh, because we had them ready for sale and then we were sitting here and just waiting if somebody would buy one and i think it was just a couple of minutes and we saw the first wow it was like oh wow we sold one. Oh, we sold another one. Oh, look at this it was so exciting wow can you remember where you sent your first dirt seal to like country wise yeah can you I remember most, most of the first German, ones were yeah. german yeah wow interesting okay um yeah so promoting when we it wasn't like we had we hadn't a lot of budget, okay? Promoting a little bit on Instagram or, uh, or Facebook, but it wasn't like maybe 200 euros we invested in mm-hmm. uh, some kind of promotion. Um, and because we had no idea how things actually work out, and you just you learn, you adapt, you being fast, and um, that's about it, okay? And that's what I also tell our employee every time every day more or less i just i don't want their lifetime okay when we have when it's sunny or whatever they can leave earlier i don't mind mm-hmm. when the stuff is done but um i want to be you know let's have a good time in the office be fast and really efficient i want them to go home and they really should know they have achieved something but i don't want them to spend any overtime or anything because they have all families and that's their family and just but I just want to be efficient and fast and that's about that's about it and mm-hmm. yeah that's the same way you have actually to do to adapt to new products or find out new solutions okay uh, yeah it's it's a really sounds like a nice working environment especially if you're a mountain biker or a surfer or something like that because you know, when the time's right, you just you just need to go. <laughs> yeah. Hey, during the summer when it's 30, 30 degrees or 35 degrees, hey, why should they stay in the office until 4 o'clock? When everything, mm-hmm. you know, nobody's buying a dirt suit at this mm-hmm. temperatures. So, yeah, but now cool. it looks different, okay? Now it's the time for being in action all day long. But, mm-hmm. um, hey, enjoy life, go outside in the sun or whatever, but, they can go at two o'clock then. Okay, why should they stay? Um, yeah. But now definitely, it, they you need to keep in mind when time comes, you need to be ready for for action actually, and that's actually now. Okay. Mm-hmm. We, now we are having the the hard working time actually. <laughs> the summer is more for developing new products and that kind of stuff. Well, it's nice, isn't it, that you have. Um a product that you can kind of do that with, that you can kind of dedicate <laughs> yeah. half of the year to development and, and everything else. And then half the year you know, where you concentrate on your sales and, and get product mm-hmm. sent to customers. It's nice that. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't cool. work 
was like that, but no. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Um, so the the dirt set then you have uh, you've got five, four or five different different kind of styles to it: the classic, the core, the pro. Um, tell us a wee bit about that. So is that it's fully waterproof? Obviously, um, is it warm as well? You know, is it is it made for cold and damp conditions? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think when it's getting colder I wear it from October to March and I mostly don't wear anything else so just you have functional clothing underneath and just the dirt suit and it's fully waterproof but it's also breathable plus it has a lot of air inlets like between what is it six and eight sort of depends on the model Mm-hmm. And the classic ones, more the basic membrane, and the Pro has a better membrane and more air inlets, and the Core has the long legs, which are also detachable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's really cool. So you can you can kind of adapt it to the, your style of riding and obviously yeah. your climate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then you do you do a model which. It's kind of based around park riding. Is that right to say? Yeah. Yes, that's the SFD. We call it straight fucking down. (laughs) (laughs) Because we had a lot of requests from um, the eight riders, which were a neck brace, and they didn't want a hood. So in this model, you can detach the legs and also the arms. So it's it's our chameleon, I think. But the issue with the hood is like so similar to colors, okay? Yeah. Some people are saying, oh, we don't, hoods, we don't need them. And then you got to, somebody's calling you and saying, ah, oh, Why hood. doesn't it have a hood? Yeah. <laughs> and then the next one is calling you, ah, oh, I don't need a hood. <laughs> similar to colors, okay? You go to one store and they say, we only sell black stuff. And then you go to the next store and he's saying, everything but black. <laughs> You're like, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> Yeah, I know it's difficult. Retail's difficult like that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So in the end, you can run a lot of analyzers and whatever, but if you just do it like you want to do it, maybe that's yeah. that works also. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And initially, when you were producing the dirt shit, you didn't validate the idea anyway, did you? You didn't. And I suppose with that kind of technical product, it would be hard to, let's say, let's get 15 produced and we'll give them to friends, we'll see what they think and we'll go from there. You didn't do anything like that, did you? No, we didn't. We, we did use ours, the prototypes. Yeah, but we didn't do an uh, analysis no. if somebody likes it or not. We just, I think we had probably eight prototypes until we had like the for us the perfect fit and then we just went for it and then if you give it to friends um in general friends they like what you do they like what you do and they try to tell you to motivate you at least a good friend well i wouldn't say a good friend but that's what they want to it's not really it's not the reality in the end Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm also not so sure, sorry, if we had run an analysis, if I think if we then would have done it, because a lot of people were very skeptical. Yeah. And I think the dirt suit is totally a product. You have to see it on somebody 
and or you have to try it out to see that it's really working because we have a lot of people who say hmm I'm not sure it's a onesie or for the ladies you always hear so well how do you pee and I mean yeah, that's a fair question uh-huh. it works so mm-hmm. yeah, it's like it's and if you would have known all the the hard ways we had to go through, I don't know if you would have. We done probably it. would have done something yeah. else. And the thing is, when you start doing something like that, yeah, you take your own money because nobody would give you money, at yeah. least not in Germany. I don't know, maybe the English-speaking countries are a little bit more risk-friendly, but over here nobody would give you money, um, and then you just like. Yeah, but, you know, money is not everything in life. And it's not like now all everything we have, we're going to be reinvested into products, okay? So we have enough bikes. There's nothing. Money is just for buying new products. But if it's if we would have lost our money back in the days, I think we would have said, okay, it was a drive, it was an ad- yeah. adventure. Let's, let's, I don't know, find a new job. Yeah. Uh, have killed us okay and most most, some people at least in this area they're very looking for security and like even when they're in their early 20s they're just already trying to find insurance when they're retiring and that kind of stuff and it's fair and it's good to do so but who knows what happens in 40 years and if you're not going to try it out when you're young or more or less young, um, then you probably won't do it when you're 60, unless mm-hmm. you're a rich, pe- uh, rich guy or uh, this, when you're 60, then you just can lose a little bit of money. But yeah, It was just like, because I really was boring in my job as well, and Lena was already self-employed, and we had more or less the same attitude uh, when it comes to risks, and um, I give it a try. That's about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think you've done the right thing. You've got a beautiful product. And, <laughs> um, yeah, like, you know, it's one of those, as I said this before, it's one of those products you would think most of the companies would be doing something like that because it sounds so simple. And to me, it seems like a need anybody would have riding a bike in a wet country, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, yeah, nobody was doing it. And, you know, did you even think about that? Did you do much research into any? Was anybody else doing it? Did you go to the bigger companies and see if they were producing something similar? Well, there was just one thing we knew was on the market, which was more like a, a big for for down DH bikers, which was more like how would you describe it? Like oh, a, like for motorcycles? Yeah, like a motorcycle mm-hmm. stuff. Mm. There was nothing with air inlets and for pedaling. And, and it was mostly plastic, so you were really sweating in it. And mm. so, yes, we knew that there's nothing like this on the market, but we didn't know if there's nothing because nobody wants it or because nobody had just thought about it. Yeah, it's weird that, isn't it? Because you think yeah. you come up with an idea which you think, yeah, this will solve problems. This is a good idea. Why isn't anybody doing it? (laughs) And then they're like, I would say they're now kind of new dirt suits from different companies on the market, which was just a matter of time. 
Mm-hmm. But it was really as interesting that even those big companies are just coming out, they're copying our philosophy, okay? <laughs> and that was just yeah. sometimes just makes you laugh, uh, laugh about it because you're like, okay, come on. No, you're going to try to find out a way to express no more excuses in a kind of a different, yeah. just changing a word or uh, trying to, yeah. Well, it's just the kind of thing you think, like, okay, they have a big marketing up. Or like big, they have really marketing people, and it's just mm-hmm. they don't come out with something new. They just, it's just interesting, okay? Yeah. And um, well, that's how it is, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And tell me, just this is totally off the cuff, but could you wear one of your suits for snowboarding or skiing? Well, we do have people actually doing, doing it. Um, we didn't that, try. We didn't try. Um, especially the brown one you know customers sometimes send us pictures and if you have a brown one on white snow <laughs> it looks kind of funny <laughs> but we have customers doing all kind of stuff is it paragliding and we have a stand-up peddler a stand-up peddler yeah but i told them oh no but because we did, you know, I don't want to be responsible for somebody dying or because he's falling in the water and he doesn't get out of the water anymore because he had, he was wearing a dirt suit. And I told him, oh, I'm not sure about it. But then we had the police two years ago, the water police calling us and they're just trying to test her for the boat crews and they sent us pictures with the guns around it. And it's kind of cool, but they figured out it was too, too narrow, which was obviously back in the days. <laughs> Yeah, uh, all kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's crazy, crazy, man. Yeah. yeah no, Horseback riders. Horseback riders, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 People. We have, yeah. Uh, all kind of people are using it for different kind of stuff, yeah. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's cool. Um, cool. So you do shorts as well. You do uh, waterproofs and summer shorts and everything like that. So was that something that came off the back of producing the dirt suit? So actually, I think um, the shorts, we had the idea, the first shorts <clears throat> we had the idea for is the one that is breathable in the front and waterproof in the back. Mm-hmm. Um which was also something that wasn't on the market. And I didn't know why, because nobody wants to have a wet backside. Mm-hmm. So this was the first model. And then we did just did a triple out of it that we had like more variety. Um, but and I, who, who came up with that idea? Was that you, Lena, that came up with that idea? Waterproof in the back and breathable I in the front. My idea, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was that, an that's action. a great idea. <laughs> It was funny. Yeah. It was in Portisoleil, and there's a lot of English people, and we were just like ready to drop in. But it was so disgusting because the backside was just wet, and then this English guy like stopped beside us, and he was like, "Well, my my backside is so wet; it feels like a diaper." And this <sighs> is in this moment we just thought, "Yes, this is missing." Yeah. <laughs> It was a beautiful sunny day, but the trails were so wet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that that's a really good idea. You see, that's that's just a spark of genius because I would never have thought of that. You get waterproof shorts, mm-hmm. but but now ne- they're not breathable in the front as such. You know. Yeah. That's a yeah. good idea. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah, cool. No, um, so you've lots of that as well, which is cool. Uh, 
the maintain it thing then, um, you, you add your bikes to a detailed information on all the components and things. Tell us a little bit about that. What actually is that? That was quite intriguing when I seen it on your website. Yeah, the, the idea was also, you know, it was born maybe one and a half years ago when, uh, you know, when you're in this business, actually, the good thing is somehow you adding more and more bikes because you know more and more people and you can somehow afford more and more bikes. <laughs> and, um, then you're just getting, when did I change the beer or when did I clean the bearings here and this and this and this and we sell our bikes also. And then really the thing for me is really when you have a bike and it's really, it's it doesn't matter. just use it what it's made for. But when I sell my bikes two years after when when I bought it, actually, I want to have it as good as new, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay, obviously, it's a few scratches and kind of stuff, but um, I just want to keep my bikes always ready and want to have fun and no maintenance on the trail. And it would be just something great to have everything where I've stored everything in one place, like invoices, serial numbers of the frame or any kind of things and ex- especially when I want to sell a bike, I just while well, I'm typing up the information again and again and obviously everybody's saying, oh yeah, my bike is well maintained, nah, nah, nah. but there's no real, at least no real proof of it, okay? And here, just I thought about something where I just can export like a PDF where the whole bike history is is in it all components and that kind of stuff and that's where we just when we came up with this maintainer app and it's just um there will be a lot of new functions in the future because obviously now we just can have this um your history in it but it would be nice to also have preventive stuff like uh, let's give me a reminder um what when i want to let's say check my chain or that kind of stuff after mm-hmm thousand kilometers of riding and so that's what we're actually working a lot of, uh, on it for the moment and it was close similar to a job i have done before actually just a different objective but um, that was the idea behind it okay and mm-hmm. um, we're gonna keep it and then obviously, okay, it's called maintain it and it's our logos and some kind of advertisement as well, but there will be no advertisement in the app as well. Um, it should just be something I was really missing, okay? When I wanted to use Lena's bike, I just want to check what was her setting again, what would be my setting. Obviously, I can write it down, I can write it on a paper, I can have an Excel sheet and everything. Yeah, it works also fine, no problem. But... I'm losing that kind of stuff, okay? And the phone, some, normally everybody has his phone nowadays when you go buy them, okay? So that was the idea behind it. And mm-hmm. we thought about, yeah, sure, we could do no rain jacket or we could do whatever. But, you know, there are thousands of more or less good rain jackets on the market. So what would be... Where should we fit in there? They're really high expensive ones, they're low, less expensive one. There's a lot in the middle. What would be special about when we bring out a, a rain jacket? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, certainly. Uh, it was kind of, and as I said, we don't see ourselves as a fashion company. So, and I really wanted to do this app. And 
uh, there's kind of a lot of potential in it when it comes what what to do in the future. But in for the first time, you just had to somehow bring out a first version, and that's what we actually did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, cool. It's kind of like a, a service history for your bike. Sure, exactly. that's about it. It's one the service history. It's one hundred percent what you're just saying. Like, yeah. Uh, if uh, for example, if you want to buy, if you want to buy my bike, I could just send you uh, WhatsApp or whatever a link. You could download my service history or whatever, mm-hmm. and um, that's actually um, what we thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. And how does that work then, Jean? Do do um. Do mechanics, bike mechanics, have to sign off and stuff that they do, or what's to stop the likes of me just saying, "Oh, I got this done and I got that done," and you know, but lying about the thing? Is is there any way that that works? Uh, so first of all, sure, you can. Lying is always a thing, but there's first of all, once you lock the service, you can you cannot change the date anymore. So, for example, if you have a bike and then you say like, "Oh," I just add a few more services. Yeah, you could do it, but they would be all at the same time. Okay. Um, ah, okay, okay. And obviously, the other way is also not one hundred percent bulletproof. But when friends of us, for example, they bring their bikes a lot to to stores, mm. you know, and they get like an invoice or whatever, they could just store it in the in the app as well. And they could just have the proof of it. Okay. Um, so I could, there's like, we call it operator. It could be a store. It could be you. And obviously if I would have bring it to, um, to a store, um, then you just need to, you just make a copy or a photo of the invoice or the, uh, whatever that you get from the store and you just attach it to the service kind of mm-hmm. approved as well. Um, and nevertheless, when, <clears throat> That's one of one of the things as well. Most people are just when they start about asking us, well, I want to start mountain biking, what should I spend for mountain bike, na na na. But it's not about the initial payment or the initial price you have to pay. It's also you have to consider if you really go mountain biking, well, you need to it costs you a little bit of money, okay? You need to maintain it. Otherwise, you can buy a bike like the most expensive bike you get on the market. If you do not maintain it probably, it's just gonna be it's just going to be, well, should I say, it's going to be a piece of <laughs> mm. whatever after a while because it just doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And you just need, people need to understand that it's like a car. You know, you need to do service. You need to maintain them. Um, at least in Germany, nobody would doubt about it. Yeah, I need to bring my car once a year, every two years to change the oil and get the service done. Totally normal. Bikes. Mm. They need the same, actually, especially e-bikes, okay? The mm-hmm. train just... Yeah, and it's one of those things, the more expensive bike you buy, yeah. kind of the more maintenance it almost needs because you got to look after that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that's just in... The, well, uh, that's about it, yeah. You just need to keep it to, to the mind of the people as well a little bit. Just if you want to have fun on the trails, you need to be prepared a little bit at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and is the app free? Is it free for people to download onto their phones? Yeah, and... yeah. it just can download it. Yeah. Okay. And did you think of did you think of a monetary way of that, or was that just a free service well, to customers? Will, well, everything the app has now will be uh, for free 
and it will be without any kind of advertisement. Um, besides that, obviously, it's our logo and that kind of stuff. Um, but we will have a few features which might cost a little bit in the future, but it will never, never bring in the real cost of the app. No. Um, and I don't want to say too much, but there will be a little bit like, um, like in, how should I say, in a different direction, not for the uh, final customer uh, that they have to pay anything, okay? Mm-hmm. But um, there are a few more ideas behind it, which we will see how we could launch them actually. Yeah. And this involves also the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great um, idea. And again, it's something I have never really seen, but yet it seems so simple, you know, like a, you know, a service for your bike, a service history for your bike. Um, so yeah, you guys are coming up with some great ideas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but the thing is, if things uh, appear to be simple, in the end, they're the most complicated ones. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because building an app is not easy, and it's not cheap either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's the thing is, this is really fun. I don't know. For me, this is really fun. It's just maybe because I'm an engineer, but it's just. It's just, it's fun to do that, yeah. Cool. Um, Well, you certainly seem to be enjoying yourselves, and it's very important when you have your own business, your own company. I think it's it's the most important thing. Obviously, you need to make a living from it, but to enjoy it is very, very important. Yeah. Yeah. So is your product uh, available online in your online web store, or is it available from retailers? How how do people kind of get their hands on it? Both. So we have our own retailer store. Uh, we have our own online store, excuse me. And uh, we have a lot of retailers. Mm. Yeah, you just find them on our webpage, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay, we that's cool. Yeah, and where do you just distribute to? Is it Europe mainly, or are you just going further afield? What What are you well, thinking there? Currently, it's just Europe. It's just the EU is just so simple. For us, it makes shipping-wise, it costs a little bit more, but um, it makes no big difference if you ship it to Europe or uh, to Germany, to somebody in Germany or somebody in wherever, Spain or Portugal. I don't know, Portugal, we're selling a lot to Portugal currently. Um, It's not a big difference. Um, But for example, shipping to Switzerland, even if it's just 200 meters from our office, it's already very difficult because it's customs and then you need kind of a distributor distributor over there and that makes it more expensive and more complicated and we really try to keep things simple okay mm-hmm. as i said earlier we don't have a lot of a big bank we just or a lot of money we just reinvest everything and growing in a pace which is i would say sustainable and we try to keep things simple and we don't have too many people in between trying to make money out of it. You know what I mean? Because yeah. in the end, the production costs are not the, the major cost drivers. And we just had this week, we had a couple of well, two or three, two big uh, German online stores um, contacting us and they just telling us, okay, when we buy your product, we want to have a discount always like this and we want to have this for free and for free and for free and we just told them 
sorry, we can't do this. Okay, we're not going to do this. Mm-hmm. First of all, because we already are well set up in Germany with online stores. And besides, um, we really, we try to be free. And it's not like if somebody comes in and try to tell you how to how they want to sell your products and they tell you the price of it. We normally back off instantly because it would be unfair for our existing um, retailers, okay? Um, And it's very, pricing is a very sensitive uh, thing. You're not allowed to tell anybody of the retailers um, how to sell, uh, for what price they can sell your product. Very, very sensitive, okay? Um, mm. So we're not going to, we obviously, we not do this. And most or many companies are trying to have a kind of a different agreement. They tell you how to, well, there's a different contract you have to sign. We don't do that either because it would make things too simple, but we, uh, too difficult. But we keep things simple in a way that our retailers are all paying the same price in the end. And mm-hmm. If somebody wants to sell them for less, we get a bad, couple of bad emails from other retailers telling us to tell this special retailer to pull up the price or whatever. But by law, we're not allowed to do anything. Yeah, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Uh, especially when you're a small company like yourselves. Yeah. And I know Oakley used to do something like that. They used to, as a retailer, you weren't allowed to discount their product um, mm-hmm. They used to do something like that themselves, but as you say, what's to stop you discounting it? Really, they can't. The only thing they can do is, I suppose, say they'll take the product off you. But you're not allowed to do that either. Once yeah, you yeah, exactly, you're, things okay. have changed. Huh? We can't tell anybody we not deliver you our products anymore. It's just, it's not legal. And they, if let's say the the law whatever finds out about it, it's really so. You better it's. It's a hot topic and mm. very difficult and very, uh, what should I say? Sensitive. Yeah, sensitive topic. Um, but yeah, that's the thing about us. We just, we try to be free in a way. And um, even if there's really big retailer and it might look like we could make a lot of money out of it, if it, if it doesn't feel good, we back off actually. We're not gonna do it. We have once I remember like two years ago, somebody really placed a big order. He actually bought all our stuff. <laughs> he he wow. wanted to buy everything. Okay, he just a big store and whatever. But it was I was feel clear with, about everything and it's just uh, and I told him, Hey, thanks for it, but why don't you just start a little bit smaller and see if it really works out? And in the end we didn't do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was just double or it was just, it was really, really big, big thing. I don't know. I just asked myself until today, maybe it was dumb, or stupid. It just sometimes you just don't do it mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's what I said. It's not always about money. It's about if you have enough bikes and you have enough food and a nice wife, there's nothing else you need except some time on the bike. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and bigger sometimes isn't always better, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah was, that's the point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was listening to a bit off topic again here, but I was listening to the gentleman that started the brand FUBU. Have you ever heard of that? For us, Bios. Yeah, yeah. 
And when he initially got, he was just kind of selling it in street corners and stuff. And then he got it, he, he got it promoted a little bit by some TV shows and stuff. And all of a sudden he had a big retailer come to him and ordered mm-hmm. because he went to a show and they could place orders. There was a big retailer walked in and placed $300,000 worth of orders. And he was like, how do I get the money to produce this? Yeah. And it, it, you know, and he more or less went broke. Yeah. And the, yeah. the company more or less. And I suppose that's something similar to yourselves. If you, you went into a big retailer, like how do you produce that stuff for them guys if they're wanting thousands of hundreds of thousands of pounds of, of stock? We yeah. couldn't, not without anybody renting us or getting into our company, okay? And that's, hey, if, it's just, it's very, it's not easy. It's a very delicious, uh, hard topic to figure out the right way. And obviously, I'm not sure if you're doing it all the time correct, but if you if you want to somehow be in control of your company in a certain way, if it's growing too fast, it's not gonna it's not gonna it's it'll be very hard to keep it sustainable. Let's say it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, for us, it was almost back in the day. It was also um, the guy was placing like almost a hundred thousand euros. And um, if we would have sold all our stuff to him, all the other retailers would have gone, they couldn't buy anything anymore, okay? And mm. then we would have to wait like half a year, nine months for all the new products to come in. Mm. Don't know if they would have waited so long. Yeah, that's is that, isn't it? It's a, it's, a, it's, a juggling, it's a juggling act sometimes. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's really sometimes if you just, we have, like the retailers we're working with from the early hours, um, there's a kind of a, it's a kind of a trust to them, okay? And I think they can trust us as well. And that makes life very, very easy. Um, if you know you can trust somebody. If he has a problem with some kind of stuff, you know he's not ripping you off. You just, you can easy handle it. It is so efficient in the end. Yeah, as I say, you never know in the end, you never know what really is the truth. Should you have done it or should you have not do it? Uh, um, uh, should you have do it or not? And I tell our employees a lot, hey, I want you to to make your own decisions as well based on what we are talking of. Obviously, they can't sell the company, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I trust them. I just don't want them. They, if they say no to somebody, we can't do this deal, then I have their back. Even even in the end, it might have been wrong, but that's that's how it is, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and because, yeah, you never know, you never know in the end if it's good or not. But if I can trust somebody, and if people we're working with, we can trust them, it just it helps a lot to be efficient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it sounds like you're the kind of business that has a relationship with the stores um, or the online stores or whoever you're selling to, you have a kind of almost a personal relationship with those guys. And if you're in it to be as big as you can and grow as quickly as you can and make as much money as you can, you would just blow the thing up for five or six years and then try and sell it. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, nobody asks us to sell our company. So, This is a gamble in, in the end as well. You never know. It should be more mm-hmm. or less something sustainable. <clears throat> and so we'll, we'll see how things uh, things work. But now it just feels good the way we uh, 
I think we grow slowly but steadily and we just figure that we would love to hit the Canadian market because we think in the BC area, also like Ireland, they these guys have a lot of rain. Mm-hmm. So. And good trails. And good trails. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, and you know the scene is blowing up in Scotland, UK, Ireland, the mm-hmm. south of Ireland, the north of Ireland. Um, there's lots of trail centres being built. There's yeah. lots of government funding and money mm-hmm. going into trail centres. It's really getting big, and the youth we have in Ireland coming up, some of the young riders are amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, That's so it's good to see if uh, the government is doing something yeah. for mountain biking, yeah. That's really, that's good if they see it as an opportunity. <laughs> mm, yeah, like, but <laughs> like, like my local trails in the north of Ireland, um, they're all they're all council owned, you know. So you pay your rates, um, and a small small percentage of everybody's rates will go to paying that. But at the end of the day, the trail centres are maintained and they're free to use yeah and they're, they're quite family orientated with parks mm-hmm. and things like that and it's amazing it's unbelievable we read about it huh? yeah and it just it's one of our it's still on our list to come to list to come to ireland and check it out yeah yeah well keep me keep me in for if you're coming over you're more than welcome i can show you around yeah We'd thanks like to. yeah thank you <laughs> See, that's the next good thing about mountain biking when you do business <laughs> the meetings can be on a bike uh-huh. Have to that, yeah that's class that's that's amazing and it's kind of like me doing the podcast i've had so many people on from so many different areas i could easily do around the world trip and yes. not have to pay for any accommodation yeah oh you're welcome to stay over here show you around classic yeah. brilliant well listen folks thanks so much for coming on it's been great to chat with you and i really hope you all the best for the future i think you've got a really good product there um and Thank certainly, you. yeah, no problem. And certainly, um, it's good for the wet, damp weather we have in Ireland. So I'm hoping to see a few more of your sits out around the trails. Um, so it'll be great. Now, how can people get in contact with you and follow follow you on socials and stuff like that? Thank you. So, um, of course, they can hit the... We, we're on Facebook and we're on Instagram. And... Yeah, I think maybe for uh, just to close this, I think one thing that makes the company work is that Jan and his team have like an outstanding customer service. So always if somebody needs to know something or has a problem or whatever, we're really responsive. So yeah, just send us just an, send email. an email or... Right. Yeah, yeah, it's cool because you have quite a lot on offer there as far as suits go. So if somebody's not just sure kind of what suit would best suit mm-hmm. their needs, is it cool yeah. to email you and just ask your advice? Oh on yeah, it? we have daily. We have that daily. Yeah. Well, we are getting when we come back Monday morning, the at least ten or fifteen people will would have, will have sent us an email and asking for sizes or suits. You can just send us an email or call us. So, so brilliant. Possible, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, folks, for coming on. It's been great chatting to you, and I'm sure I'll see lots more of your product on the trails in the near, near future. (laughs) Yeah, it would be awesome. Thank you very much. 
that's a wrap for episode 171 i hope you enjoyed that folks and i hope you enjoyed the rerun of that episode which was originally episode 115 and as i said in the intro i just wanted to let you guys know of a couple of products that i really really have enjoyed next week's episode will be similar it'll be a rerun of a product that i got through the year and have really enjoyed and it has really changed my riding for the better in the winter conditions and stuff so dirt is one of those products you know i don't think you'll go wrong with one of their dirt suits they have plenty of different models you can choose from and um, they're such a great company you can you can speak to them on the phone you know which is pretty rare these days and you can get advice from what suit will suit you best will suit your needs best they are really top notch at what they do so thanks for being here and thanks for tuning in. And if you're enjoying the podcast, the best way to show your support is by subscribing, rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Every one of your ratings helps, boosts us on Apple's algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people. Now, if you're not on Apple, don't worry, you can find and subscribe via Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean or wherever you listen to your podcasts from. We also have a website, mtb-tribe.com, where you can find the complete back catalogue, listen and download every show for free. You can also subscribe there and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the show. You can also get involved on social media. We are at MTV Tribe on Instagram and Facebook. Or if you prefer to email me and get in contact, you'll find me at info at mtb-tribe.com. Now, if you want to know more about Dirtley and what they do, just simply go to the show notes, mtb-tribe.com and search for episode 171 and you'll get more insight into the company and what they do and the chat we had for the podcast. That's it for this week, folks. I hope you enjoyed the show. And as always, if you can over the Christmas period, get the bikes out, hit the trails and stay MTV stoked. <laughs>